0: With 2022 coming to a close, there was one thing that I particularly loved from this year. We finally got to have interviews here at our WBEZ studios in person again after a pandemic of phone interviews. It felt so good as a host who started this gig during the height of COVID to finally actually get to connect with people that i had only known through phone or Zoom. For the first time since March 2020. Is Heather Sharone, City Hall reporter for WTTW. Such a pleasure to finally meet you, Heather. So glad to be here. And he joins me now in studio. Hey, Danny. Hey, Sasha. Good to finally meet you. Yeah, in person. (laughs) And Reset Sustainability contributor, Karen Weigert, who I'm just meeting for the first time in person after two years. Welcome, Karen. (laughs) Great to see you in person. (laughs) Also here, Monica Ng, Axios Chicago reporter. Hi, Monica. Hey, Sasha. Good to meet you in person. Yes. (laughs) So joining us now with the latest for our What's That Building series is Reset Architecture sleuth, Dennis Rodkin, in person. Hey, Dennis.
1: Hi, Sasha. It's so nice to be here in In the
2: flesh
0: with you for the first time. Oh, my goodness. Professor Schwinn, so great to finally meet you in person. It's so nice to be here in person with you, Sasha. Thanks for having me. Political correspondent Amanda Vinicky. Welcome back, Amanda. And so nice to meet you in person. Yes, finally. I love it. (laughs) Now, since we are wrapping up the year, we thought that it would be great to hear about some things that you were most excited about from 2022. So we asked you to leave us voicemails, and you'll hear some of those in a bit. And one of those Reset listeners who called us is with us today here in studio. Margot McMahon is a writer and artist in Chicago who just published a book this year. Welcome to Reset, Margot, and congrats.
3: Thank you, Sasha. And it's so delightful to be here with you. I've in been person. For, yes. <laughs>
0: So, Margo, you're here. Let's get back to this book of yours. I want to know how you're feeling now that it's out. It's in the world.
3: It was just launched on Saturday at the Ukrainian Institute of Modern Art. And it was a kind of potluck gathering for the holiday. Wow! And that Aquarius Press published the book about my father's artwork um, that informed my writing. And um, in attendance was so much fun to get together with generations of my family, friends from all walks of my life, including alumni and college friends and grade school friends. And um, and then my parents' friends came too. They would have been 101 years old. Oh, my goodness. So for 50 years, my father painted Protest. We're starting with World War II. And the final painting is all the changes that took place with people coming together. To be one voice, to enhance their own personal feelings. We had Hillary and Barack Obama debating, Mm -hmm. and that is the last artwork in the piece in the exhibition. That is wonderful.
0: And this book, it's called "Resist: A Visual History of
3: Protest." That's that's wonderful. I mean, how long did it take you to write? Well, my father died in 2012 and he and I had started it then. Okay. So it was, um, a little bit of oral history from him, but he was, um, a man of few words and a lot of research for me to fill in the gaps. So we started with World War II. He was in three POW camps at, in his early twenties. So that was kind of his training ground. And he really, uh, for the rest of his life, he parachuted in to, The Emmett Till trial in Sumner, Mississippi in 1955, the Chicago conspiracy trial in Chicago and and covered that with um, not only articles in um, newspapers and magazines, but he made a movie about that, which is at the Chicago Film Archives now. Nice, so we get an insider view and a feeling of what it was gonna what it was like to be there at that
0: time. That is wonderful, Margot. Well, let's hear from some of your fellow listeners out there. We've got Lisa, who just called us with her best thing for twenty twenty two Hey Lisa, welcome to the show.
4: yes, hello um i am it unfortunately was a horrible year for so many people mm-hmm. and um the best is uh, for me and my family included were from Russia from Moscow, Russia, but um, naturally um, this uh, has been just incredibly horrible, the war. Uh, So the best thing I could do was, well, besides uh, uh, sending money to Ukraine, um, I was to start a Facebook page, uh, Stand With Ukraine Chicago. Okay. uh, Where I, uh, as a photographer, (laughs) I cannot do too much, but at least... Uh, every little bit help, I think helps.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, so you're a photographer and you started a Facebook page called Stand with Ukraine, Chicago. Uh, that's correct. Wow. Um, and, and uh, what's I, the response you know, I been noticed,
4: like? Uh, uh, I, uh, got, I get uh, messages from people in, even in Ukraine and around uh, some I get some followers from all around the world. Uh, some uh one video uh reached uh, about seven thousand people um from all over the world, so you know at least it spreads the message and uh, it helps um, um rally uh, Americans uh, behind the support for ukraine our government support for ukraine
0: that's great um, yeah
5: thank you and, so much um, for sharing
4: also also i've tried to support um uh, Iranian uh, movement and uh, my uh, Chicago pro- uh, Chicago protest photography site. So
0: oh, that's great. How to. oh, that's wonderful, Lisa. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's really great use of, of of your skills and 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 time. Let's take a moment to hear now from another listener who left us a voicemail. Here's what Kathy had to share.
6: One thing that I am most proud of um, this year is being asked to be a keynote speaker at the high school that I graduated from i maybe
4: 10 years ago, but what what's special about it, it's a high school that is, uh,
6: really focuses on helping um, students who come from, you know, marginalized communities and just have tough backgrounds and just feel like odds have been against them, and um, I was really proud to be a keynote speaker, and it was a wonderful moment. It, it was a moment of realizing that I've come far.
0: Congratulations, Kathy. So hearing from that caller, Margot, it makes me think back, and it makes me think about how good it feels to sometimes look back and, and be like, wow, I've, I've come a long way. Do you have that sense or that experience now finishing this most recent book of yours?
3: It was amazing to go through the process and unveil, What I had lived through, but my parents had experienced. Um, the, um, 1960s, we were at the Michigan Avenue battle. Yeah. I was about eight or nine years old and walking down a hallway when my brother came running and said, we gotta go. We ran out and dad had the van there, the sliding door was open, we jumped in and the mace was already in the air. And so we experienced it, but then to understand what built up to that moment of, um, over four or five days of extreme heat, police are overworked. The protesters are, are trying to be peaceful, but they're running into a lot of opposition. And to understand it historically and look back, which a uh, eight- or nine-year-old couldn't understand other right. than, oh, my God, what's going on? You know. And we did go home and watch it on TV, but all of it was so unbelievable. Only to understand it in hindsight can we truly un- know what happened then. So it has been amazing to go through the process. And I will say the sheltering in place gave me a lot of time to deep dive into a lot of subjects. It gave us all a lot of time to, (laughs) to do
0: a lot of things and dabble. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just joining us, we're looking back on 2022 at some of the best things that happen to folks around Chicago. We are talking with Reset listener Margot McMahon, who's sharing her favorite thing from this year, which was publishing a book. Let's hear from another caller standing by. Here's Kelly in Andersonville. Hey, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Hi,
6: Sasha. How are
0: you? Doing well. What's your best thing of the year?
6: Oh, Okay. So I finally, finally, finally have launched my own business as a graphic designer. Awesome.
0: Yay. You did it. (laughs) Yay. Still so scary, but
6: super thrilling. And I feel like it was something I'd always wanted to do, but stuck with nine to five jobs because they seemed less risky, less risky in quotes. Mm -hmm. But the longer I was in that job and staying there all throughout COVID as what I was being told, I was an essential worker. Um, and and really not so much. We could have done this from home, but I'm like every it, this whole pandemic has made me just completely reassess my definition of risk. Yeah. Um, and realizing that everything comes with that. So you're just you're choosing what risk feels most aligned for you. Um, and the fact that I get to now instead of begging to work from home, I get yes. to use that for myself and Look out the window at snowflakes and listen to WBE. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's
0: delightful. Well, they say, you know, they say Kelly, life begins at the, you know, the end of your, your com- the other side of your comfort zone. So you, you did it. You, you, you did step one. You started the business, and and it's going to be awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. Margot, your your book. It's also part of an exhibition at the Ukrainian Institute of Art. What's the exhibition all about?
3: Well, the exhibition is artwork by my father that informed my writing. Okay. He, like I said, he was a man of few words. So I started to interpret his paintings as an art historian and then write and trigger it, which triggered the memories of little bits that he told me uh, throughout my lifetime and then build that out with research so that other people could understand how much went into painting these crowds that have gathered to be a louder voice for whatever their concern was. And you've had a chance to go and see the exhibition? The exhibition opened on Saturday. Okay. And it will be running until February 12th at the Ukrainian Institute of Modern Art. Uh, It's Chicago and Western. What's that like for you getting so many people now looking at your father's work? It was amazing. Um, Joe Burton and Gloria Groom wrote the introduction to it, but they were also really blown away by seeing it in the expansive gallery space of the Ukrainian Institute of Modern Art, Um, just to see it all together and to see it uh, with each painting having a space of its own. Mm -hmm. What my father was so good at was showing the psychology of the individual within a mass of people who came to make a common voice for a louder voice for whatever their concern was, and you got the feeling they left their children at home, they left their job that day, mm-hmm. they um, really were focused on if this doesn't happen, the world will not be right. And with that crowd creating a, a direction, we have experienced in the last. 50 years of this artwork, things we couldn't have imagined, you know, of Incredible. a female presidential candidate uh, debating with a black man who is a presidential candidate, and both of them are excellent, excellent candidates, and that is what came through the, those 50 years, and we've come some distance since, but it takes the democracy and the republic of the people. To make that change.
0: To make that change. Here's Tammy from Glenview.
3: Hey, Tammy. Welcome to Reset.
0: Hi. 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 What's your Um, story? My story is
2: um, my name is Tammy Metropolis, and I belong to St. George Greek Orthodox Church in Lincoln Park. And um, a year ago, we started this outreach, Hot Meals to Go, um, hoping, you know, Lincoln Park, you think there's not a lot of need. We started with about 75 meals once a month. We're up to 165 meals. We cook at our church. We package the food, and we hand them out to our um, people in need. And it's really the most fulfilling thing that you can do to see somebody get a hot meal to go. Um, We did did a Thanksgiving. We served about 145 meals. And actually, uh, this Sunday after service, we're going to serve... A hot meal right after service outside of our church.
0: Oh, that's incredible, and, Tammy. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, and it's mostly um, we get a lot of donations, but mostly it's sponsored by our church and the uh, the group of people. We have 35 people in our group that we work together, and the enthusiasm is just unbelievable. That's and I'm wonderful. Just very proud of that.
0: That is definitely, definitely a great thing for 2022. Thank you so much for sharing that uh, that highlight from your year, Tammy. Let's hear from another person who left us uh, a voicemail.
4: What I did this year that was wonderful and exciting and fun was hike the Prosecco Hills in northern Italy. Um, I'm not a young kid, and it was really great to be able to do that um, and drink a lot of Prosecco as
0: well. That would have been my favorite part, too. Uh, I'm curious how you approach each year, Margot. Do you, are you that person that always tries to set this ambitious goal? Like, I'm going to write a book or I'm going to conquer this massive project. Or do you sort of take it slow and whatever happens, happens?
3: Well, when I started this, it was, I just need to know what's happening. What has happened? What it was that I lived through because I was going to school while most of these Protests were being um, uh, created in paint and distributed through magazines, film, and um, uh, newspapers. So at first, it was just a reveal: how, what happened, what is the history, what were they a part of, and what was their focus? Right. For both Mac and Irene, my parents, they both attended. They both grabbed interviews and made movies and captured those moments. And I think of it as a guide, something that has happened. We can now, as gawkers, look at it like my father who called himself an innocent bystander and see how protest changes things and peaceful protest can.
0: So over time, it started to look more and more like, okay, this is a book. And this is going to be Exact. One great book. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear from another listener. Here's Maeve in Park Forest, who I think also has written a book. Hey Maeve. Welcome to the hey. show.
4: Thank you so much.
0: So what did you write a book this year and, and publish it too? Yes. It's a book of poetry. Awesome. What's it called?
4: The title is The Angles of Our Tangles. And the subtitle is (laughs) Massaging the Corners of the Soul.
0: Oh, I love that. Did it take you a while to write, Maeve?
4: Oh, yeah. It's kind of a lifetime collection. (laughs) People have been asking me to publish for years and years.
0: So I finally did. So then it sounds like you have a a bunch of people who are standing by waiting to, to buy this book of yours
4: yeah it's um I've, I've had quite a few people who we had a party and a book signing and um
0: yeah it's it's gone well so far oh well that's awesome congratulations mave thanks for sharing that with us let's uh hear from nick in elk grove hey nick welcome to reset
7: hi thanks for having me so what happened to you this year well since covid um been working from home like a lot of people and tons of time around my little kids one four and six year olds so it's just chaos all boys so grateful for it but also with the extra time I finally like a lot of people had more time for hobbies and passions and everything and so I started during all that time working on writing recording music which is something I kind of used to do but okay. didn't have time and finally got around to releasing one of the songs it's called carry these moments and it's really kind of for the kids, it's about core memories and legacy and my hopes and dreams for them. And um, if anybody out there has a chance to listen to it, I'd love anybody, parents, anybody to give it a listen. Carry these moments. Uh, my name's Nick Cosentino.
0: Nick, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Awesome. All right, let's hear another voicemail.
1: Hi, this is Romeo. Um, there's a lot of amazing things that happened to me this year, but one of the best things that I did for myself was go to Amsterdam by myself. It was great because I got to meet a lot of new people. And with being lonely for a couple of days, it really pushed me out of my shell and uh, helped me out and has helped me immensely with my work and my life and my
7: relationships.
0: So, Margot, did you have a chance to to travel at all this year? We heard someone who went to Prosecco Hills and, and now Romeo and his trip to Amsterdam.
3: Yes, we had a family wedding in London. Oh, wow. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend. That's awesome. And my husband and I tagged on um, Barcelona. Oh. So we had a few days there, which was beautifully both. How bold. was Barcelona? Really, really nice. We kind of picked it because it would be warmer <laughs> than London. And True. both were warmer than here. <laughs> um, but it was really quite remarkable. We found a place that we could walk to almost everything. Um, and visited um, the Rowe Museum, Picasso Museum, um, went to concerts and masked up and sat far away, but we were able to, like, travel, and the world is still there. Oh, that's
0: that's awesome. That sounds fantastic. All right, before we go, let's hear one more voicemail.
1: My name is Wes Ketchum, Logan Square, and the best thing I did this year was uh, my wife and I took our two young kids, eight and 10 and the dog, and drove around out west uh, with a trailer and camped and hit the national parks for like a month. And it was time. It was a whole lot of time close together and incredibly well spent.
0: That is awesome. What are you looking forward to? If you have to look ahead now to 2023, because that's coming up in, what, a week? What are you looking forward to,
3: Margo? Margo? i am um looking forward to time with my family this week <laughs> um and also i uh out of this writing i've come up with another book that is more historical fiction and it's looking at the eighteen fifties at this remarkable time that's similar to ours and how democracy was created and the importance of people uh in making um not only what their're their government would be after coming out of Europe. They mm-hmm. could have come from anywhere, but this particular group is Irish Catholic from Northern Ireland. And they uh, also in the 1850s was a suffragist movement. So the women are on the back porch talking suffragists, and the men are on the front porch talking finances and land ownership and um, what they have to do to run um, their tiny little settlement in the middle of the wilderness. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Uh, When I think about what I want to look forward to for 2023,
0: I realize I haven't put a lot of thought into it just yet. I feel like I'm just kind of, I'm going and going and I'm on this sort of hamster wheel where I just kind of, I deal with the next day and the next day. Uh, I don't know if you ever get caught up in in those kinds of moments, but I think maybe what I would love to do is, uh, because I'm on this travel thing lately, I, I want to go somewhere that I haven't been before.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I've got a milestone birthday coming
3: up next year, so maybe that would be a good time to do it. What do you think? I would do it sooner. You would do it sooner? <laughs> <Because>. <laughs> <laughs> if you could find a window, because you could always do it at your birthday as well. That's true. But, um you know, you never know, because it, we're kind of traveling within windows of when we can, and um, hard telling what is uh, what is what. Omicron is going to turn into. So oh, I man. would just, uh, when you find an opening, go out there and see the world. It is still there. I have proof. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is your book, you think, going to
3: take you on some more travels? Um, uh, yes. I've had a lot of wonderful opportunities to talk about my writing at, um, the Lo- Lake Forest Library, Winnecka Library. Um, and, um, my, New writing is about the Adirondacks. So my husband and I went there Columbus Day weekend and hiked the areas that, um, this settlement was. Yeah. And got to see, uh, stone foundations of the cabins that they lived in. And it was, uh, and besides being spectacularly beautiful with the leaf change, it was really great to walk around and feel the history there. That was Margot McMahon, artist and author of the new book,
0: Resist, A Visual History of Protest. Thank you so much for joining us, Margot.
3: Thank you very much for being here. So so nice to be with you in person. And great to meet
0: you in person, Margo. And and before we go, I want us to listen to some other voicemails that we received.
3: The thing
6: that I did that looked so amazing was I won my first election, made history as the first African-American woman to win Ela Township trustee. Last year, it was our second year that my husband and I spent alone because of covid and i was a little bummed out until he gave me my christmas gift he bought two tickets for us to see the cure in barcelona so in november we went to barcelona for ten, for 10 days and we got to see the cure
4: best christmas gift ever
2: my name is eugene judice and i'm a law librarian in chicago what i accomplished in 2022 is the compilation of a group of daily reflections that i wrote. During the height of the pandemic, there are over 360 reflections based on quotations from famous and not-so-famous people. I've completed the compilation and working on editing, and I look forward to publishing it in early 2023.
1: Sasha so asked, what's the greatest thing that happened to individuals this past year? Well, mine is, I met and I got I engaged to the most wonderful woman that I've ever met in my life. So, again, this is Swan called you have a good
0: day. Bye. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Before the break, we heard about just a few of the amazing things that Chicagoans accomplished, saw and loved in 2022. And now we want to shift the conversation to the new year. Looking ahead to 2023, how can we make the most of it? Maybe we've got a book that we want to write, like our previous guest, Margot, or perhaps there is a trip that we've always wanted to take but need to save up for or organize big goals like that take planning and it's easy to make all sorts of uh, proclamations on on january 1st but how can you be sure to follow through on them so fortunately our next guest has some advice and some tips on how to do just that joining us now is katie milkman behavioral scientist at the wharton school of business at the university of pennsylvania welcome to reset katie Thanks for having me. Before we get to some of the research on setting and uh, achieving goals, I'd love to hear from you what your favorite thing was from 2022.
5: Oh, I love that question. Um, I think the highlight of the year for me actually was um, an event series that my research center put together. We um, hosted authors who had written behavioral science books, and we interviewed each of them. And it was just A tremendous amount of fun and wildly popular in ways that we hadn't anticipated. So that was a big highlight of the year for me.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I'm curious from a a research standpoint how useful it is to look back as we're preparing for the coming year versus just kind of letting go and, and seeing the last year as being something of the past.
5: What do you think? Well, it's a great question. It depends on a few things. First of all, it depends on whether or not the habits... That you are hoping to start in the new year if your new goals are an extension of things that have been going well for you or if they are really new things and if in the last year you haven't been able to accomplish those goals and that's why they've been set out for you in the year ahead. When you're hoping to do something new in the year ahead, you actually... Benefit from the disconnect that the sense of turning the slit, you know, turning over the page to a new year creates. Um, It gives you a fresh start, a clean slate, and a a sense of um, disjunction between. 2023 and 2022 so that's great if you think you know i'm going to quit smoking and i haven't managed to this year but next year it's the new me i'll be able to do it that's when you want that disconnect but when you've had a great year and things are going smoothly and you're on a roll with the research shows is actually the opposite that you want to minimize that sense of disconnect Mm -hmm. for yourself and try to keep that positive momentum going so um these are called, they're called temporal landmarks. Whenever we have a moment that signals a fresh start or a new beginning and you basically want to lean into them when things are going well and lean, um or excuse me, you want to lean into them when you want to make a change and yeah. lean out of them, sort of downplay them when you want to stick with what's successful already.
0: Yeah, well, that, that that's a really good point. In that last segment, Katie, we, we talked with a lot of people about the best things that happened to them. And it, it was, you know, to that point, making me wonder the role that gratitude plays in achieving goals? Like, is there research yeah. that speaks to the role of <clears throat> gratitude and joy?
5: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing that's really interesting, uh, Nicholas Epley, who's a researcher at the University of Chicago, um, has shown that we don't express gratitude as much as we ideally would in order to magnify um the, you know, experience the maximal benefits. So gratitude is this incredible emotion. And when we express it, we always worry that it'll be awkward to have that exchange where we tell someone, you know, I'm so grateful to you for this, that, and the other. Um, but actually we overestimate the awkwardness and underestimate how wonderful it will make us feel to express gratitude and how much people will love hearing from us yeah. with those expressions of gratitude. So the more we can express gratitude really in life, the better we underdo it.
0: That's a good point. So uh, we heard lots of impressive accomplishments from our our callers earlier. People writing books, people climbing mountains. Um, And some of our listeners, you know, maybe they're feeling inspired to do some of those same things, Katie. So for big goals like that, where does someone start?
5: Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I wrote a book called How to Change, which is literally all about the science of how <laughs> you can achieve your goals. Um, Because I felt like too few people actually knew what the evidence is. And there is a lot we can do that helps. The first thing I would say that that you have to think about is, of course, what is the goal that you're trying to achieve? You know, is it that you want to get fit? Is it that you want to learn a new language? Is it that you want to quit smoking? You know, what's the, what's the big goal? Do you want to be, stop being late to meetings? Do you want to move to a new community? Make new friends? So first define the goal. But then after that, it's actually quite important to think a bit about what are going to be the key roadblocks that you anticipate uh, that could trip you up? What obstacles might get in your way? And that might sound counterintuitive. Why would you want to focus on obstacles? Don't you want to be you know, thinking positively? Isn't that what the research shows? But actually, if you don't think carefully about the obstacles, it's really hard to pick strategies that are well suited to help you succeed. Um, and what do I mean by that? Well, for instance, a lot of our goals we set aren't that fun to accomplish. If that's going to be a barrier for you, you actually need to focus really hard on figuring out how am I going to make it enjoyable? To pursue this goal, because if we don't enjoy it, we quit things earlier. That's what the research shows. Yeah. But uh, if the barrier is going to be forgetting, say you want to, you know, get onto a new medication regimen. It's really important for your health, and you realize that you're forgetful and you keep not taking those meds. Well, that's really. It's not about enjoying taking your medications. You need a really successful reminder system. So. Depending on what the barrier is, you need a totally different set of solutions. And success is all about being strategic, in order to set yourself up for it. So, yeah, um, happy to talk more point. about some of that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll we'll pick apart some of those uh, those points. Uh, you know, I, I can't count the number of times that I've said, you know, I I want to do X general goal, only to you know totally lose sight of it a, a few weeks later, and I'm still Katie paying for. The gym membership <laughs> that I'm referring to here. Um, w- what am I getting wrong though? I, I mean, I-, I feel like maybe my goal was, was too vague. That Absolutely. could have been so- something.
5: Yes. Often we set that big goal and it's it's distant, it's vague, like I'm going to get in shape. And then uh, we fail to do what's really important, which is making a concrete plan and actually breaking down the big goal into bite-sized pieces. Both of those things are really important. So bite-sized pieces, for instance, would mean instead of saying I'm going to get in shape, you say, okay, I'm going to exercise four hours a week. That's how I'm going to get in shape. And it actually turns out research shows that if you um, break that big goal down into bite-sized pieces, you're much more likely to pursue them. We did a study last year with volunteers who said, you know, they were going to do 200 hours of volunteering a year with a nonprofit. And we either reminded them each week to do some hours each week to reach their 200-hour yearly goal, or we reminded them to do four hours each week, which, of course amounts to their 200 hour yearly goal. And the people reminded you that four hours each week actually volunteered about 10% more that, that ah. big goal broken down is more approachable. Um, so that's one thing that helps. And then thinking about, okay, if you're going to do four hours a week, say of exercise or three hours, whatever the amount may be, when will you do it? Where will you do it? How will you get there? Make those detailed plans, Um, say, you know, 5 p.m. every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're going to hit the gym for an hour. That's how you'll hit, say, three hours a week of exercise. And, you know, the gym is at this particular intersection. You're going to get there by walking after work or biking or scooting, whatever your preferred transit mode. It actually really helps tremendously to lay out those details, because now it's not just a vague plan that you can sort of put off, say, oh, I haven't gotten around to it. It's a firm commitment. And the minute that on Tuesday at five o'clock you skip doing what you said to do, um, you now feel like you've broken a commitment. It's much harder to put off. Uh, so there's great research by NYU's Peter Golwitz are showing that these kinds of concrete cue based plans or implementation oh. intentions really help us. Very interesting If you'd like to join the conversation, tell us what
0: goals do you have in 2023 and what are you proud of this year? Our number is 866-915-WBEZ. Again, we're opening up the phones again. Call us at 866-915-WBEZ and tell us what you're planning for 2023. So Katie, as you mentioned a moment ago, you know, not all the goals that we set for ourselves are necessarily fun, right? We know they're good for us, but they're going to take some effort. So talk more about making that goal just slightly more enjoyable.
5: Yeah, this is so important. And research shows that most of us think if it's just important enough, of course I'll do it. But the reality is that uh, people do better when they're encouraged to make their goals fun and pursue them in fun ways, as opposed to in ways that are maybe most efficient. They stick to it longer because if you don't enjoy it in the moment, you're going to dread it and you won't persist. So um, a few ways you can make goals fun that research supports. One is something I've studied called temptation bundling, which is say it's a chore like exercise that you don't really enjoy. What if you link it with a temptation you love? Like you're only allowed to binge watch your favorite TV show while you're on the elliptical at the gym. Now, all of a sudden, right, you're going to look forward to those workouts to see your favorite TV show. Time is going to fly while you're there. And you might actually um, eliminate some wasted time that you would normally spend on that guilty pleasure of watching TV in the bargain. So um, temptation bundling can really change the nature of an experience in a positive way and increase the rate at which you engage in something that's you know, aligned with goal pursuit. And it's not just exercise, right? You podcast, listening to doing household chores, or save a favorite restaurant to visit only with a difficult relative. Uh, There's lots of different ways that you can do this sort of thing. And another way to make it more fun to pursue your goals is by making them social. So when you engage in an activity that might otherwise not be that fun, but you do it with someone you like, whether that's, you know, budgeting or exercise, uh, that, that also can add value. So, Think about what will make it most fun for you to pursue your goals. And that might also just change the way you pursue them, right? Zumba class with your friend instead of getting on the Stairmaster might be the right way because you just select a different way to get in shape.
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes we don't always respond to the carrot, right? Occasionally we, we need the stick. And you you talk about this idea of penalty clauses. What is that? Yeah,
5: absolutely. Yeah. So um, – Making it fun is one approach so that you won't procrastinate forever, right? And you'll actually get around to doing the things that are good for you. But sometimes, as you said, we need the stick. So the the idea of a penalty clause is that you're sort of treating yourself the way maybe a teacher or a manager or even a government might normally treat you to try to get you to, you know, get in line. So we're used to someone saying, hey – you know, if you don't do the following, you could get fined or you're going to, you know, you could lose your job or you could get in trouble. But what if you did that for yourself, right? Imagine you say, you know, if I don't practice uh, Spanish three hours this week, then I'm going to have to donate money to an organization I hate. Say, you know, Say I'm a Republican and I'm gonna to have to donate to the Democratic Party, or say I'm a Democrat and I have to donate to the Republican Party if I don't hit my three-hour goal. Now that's gonna really sting if you have to do it, right? So imagine mm-hmm. um, setting up that kind of penalty clause. It's called a commitment contract, and research shows that putting money or having the ability to put in money um, to an account that you will have to forfeit if you don't achieve a goal can help with lots of things, like it increased. Uh, quit rates for smokers by about 30% over a standard smoking cessation program to give them a way to put money on the line they'd have to forfeit. So it's their own money choosing to put it on the line. That helps a lot. And there are websites like stick.com and BeMinder. I have no affiliation with either. And there may be others I don't know about where you can Create these kinds of commitment contracts, put money on the line. Yeah. Uh, choose a referee who will hold you accountable and then the site will charge your credit card and send the money to a charity you like if That's you want cool. a silver lining or one you hate otherwise.
0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're looking ahead to twenty twenty three and we're talking about how to follow through on goals and habits that we want for the coming year. And joining us to help us follow through on those aspirations is Katie Milkman. She's a behavioral scientist at the Wharton School of Business of the University of Pennsylvania. And we're still taking your calls at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, 866-915-WBEZ. Tell us what you are proud of this year and what you are looking forward to for 2023. Let's hear from a caller standing by, Katie. We've got Maritza in Jefferson Park. Hey, Maritza. Welcome to Reset.
7: Hi, Sasha and hi, Katie. Um, so this year was probably equally the one of the greatest and worst years. <laughs> I went through a super devastating breakup mm. of a five-year relationship early in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, still very heartbroken about it. I'm
0: so sorry, Maritza.
7: <laughs> thank you. But um, that did kind of um, was kind of the impetus to start traveling again, doing things solo. So um, I traveled to Italy by myself to visit old friends, visit family, and um, I started going back to the theater, even if I was going solo. (laughs) So that's been really great. I'm fostering a dog, which is something that I have been saying for years. Oh, amazing. Yeah, um, so my goal for this coming year, I guess, is to be, one, to get over the heartbreak somehow, (laughs) and um, to just kind of be open to possibilities and, you know, yeah. new people. I don't know, maybe Katie can suggest how to do that and bite-sized pieces because I have no idea how to go about it. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing, Maritza. And all I'll say is, is it's one day at a time, one day at thank a time, you. for sure. Katie, what do you think? Is, is Maritza taking some of the right steps there to move forward?
5: Well, I love, Maritza, that you have thought about how are you going to find joy in the new year and you recognize that you need to open yourself up to new experiences and meeting new people. It sounds like rather than, though, that sort of vague high level goal really would be useful to think about what can you do next week um, that would would be in line with that objective? Can you think about sort of something on a weekly basis you could do and maybe starting as early as next week or, you know, the week after if you have plans for the holidays that can't be interrupted, um, that might be aligned with that objective?
0: Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Thank you, Katie. Um, You know, in pursuit of the goal or or the habit, this conversation with Maritza just makes me think, you know, sometimes we fall short or life just gets in the way Talk more about what we can do to make sure that when that happens, that we're not derailed. Those moments, they just don't derail us or deflate yeah. us. Yeah.
5: Yeah. It's a, it's a great question. You know, there's really wonderful research by Stanford's Carol Dweck on the importance of having a growth mindset when you're pursuing a big goal. Um, a growth mindset is traditionally or something that Carol originally studied in the context of thinking about your intelligence, but it actually applies to any trait. And um, the issue is that some people think about their intelligence as fixed. Like, I'm born with a certain set of capabilities, and anytime something goes wrong, it's just diagnostic of how good I am, how smart I am, and what I've got to offer. And and if you walk through life with a fixed mindset, then every failure is devastating, because it shows you how limited you are. But if you walk through life with a growth mindset, actually, instead of thinking about these traits as fixed, you think of them as as growable with effort and work, which, P.S., is true. There's mm-hmm. a Essentially, nothing beyond maybe your height that you can't really change. You know, most of the traits we value with some effort and investment of time um, and energy. And so, um, when you recognize that that you can foster improvements, then when you have a failure, instead of saying, "Oh, this is just another sign of how limited I am and that I'm just not up to it," when you foster when you foster a growth mindset, those failures instead. Teach you. Oh, okay, that didn't work. But what can I learn from it? And I'm going to grow and I'm going to get better. And I'm going to do a better job next time. So it turns out people who have a growth mindset have much more success in many aspects of life, you can change your mindset, even if you sort of started out with a fixed mindset through intervention, you can focus on ways that you can grow recognize that every part of you is capable of improvement. So the more you can foster a growth mindset, the more when you encounter those bumps in the road as you're trying to pursue your goals, you are likely to be able to learn from them and improve.
0: Let's hear from a couple more callers standing by. Here's Julie in South Shore. Hey, Julie.
5: Hey, uh, thanks so much for taking
4: my
0: call. Sure. What are you looking forward to next year?
4: Well, I love what you're saying about growth mindset, and I thought I had that this year. I thought I was doing everything right, and I was—I had set some goals, and I was following through, and I was doing everything that I set out to do, but unfortunately, um, I, what I wasn't t- taking into consideration were some health issues that have been lingering, and um, and so in the last three months, I've been working with my doctor to kind of figure out what's going on, And it turns out that no matter how much I was going to try this year, I just wasn't going to succeed. And so I'm getting all that stuff taken care of. And I'm looking forward to 2023 so that I can get my – I lost my motivation this year. I got so depressed because it wasn't working. But Mm -hmm. now
5: I have a plan.
0: Well, that's that's wonderful. It starts with a plan. What do you say, Katie?
5: I agree. Look, life throws you curveballs and – there's, that is not in your control, what happened in the last year. And it's great that you recognize that. And that you recognize that means that the year ahead is a fabulous opportunity for a fresh start now that you've taken the steps you need to try to improve the situation with your health. Recognizing, you know, things could still go wrong. And in fact, that's how goal pursuit works. It's bumpy, right? Two steps forward, one step back. And certainly if it's out of your control, you cannot hold yourself accountable for that. But um, making a plan, figuring out how can I learn from what went wrong. So if similar things come up this year, I'll have a plan even to to deal with them faster and better, potentially, if if you think there's any anything you can learn from what happened in the year behind you. And then embrace the fresh start, because that is sort of the magic of these moments uh, like New Year's. They even come up Mondays. They, they tell you, okay, it's a new chapter. It's a new beginning. They can give you a renewed sense of optimism, even when you have lost that optimism because it's been a tough period. So I'm excited for you to use this fresh start. Um, and I'm sorry for, for the health challenges you encountered in the year before this.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Julie. Uh, Katie, is it better when we make these goals, is it better to share with, with friends or family than to keep it, it private? What do you say? It can.
5: With others, the reason it can be helpful is just what we talked about before about how um, any sort of penalty clause actually can be extra motivating. So, you know, finding yourself right if you don't achieve a goal mm-hmm. can be motivating, but telling other people is a form of accountability because now if you fail, you're going to have a small bit of shame. Uh, and that's sort of like a penalty clause. It's a penalty clause that's, psych- uh, you know, it's in your mind as opposed to in your your bank account, but it's still a use of the same tool, um, which is trying to make sure that you have all of the incentives that you control aligned to push you towards success. Yeah.
0: Good, good point. Let's hear from Caleb in Elmhurst. Hi, Caleb. Welcome to reset.
1: Hey, um, uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, so I want to share something that I was proud of, um, this year. Um, I had, um, developed an alcohol habit, um, during my twenties, and um, it progressed to a pretty serious uh, level. Okay. I started drinking um, probably uh, well over a liter of, of vodka a day, and um, I had a um, situation occur um, that I guess provided a, a little bit of clarity. Um, and 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 I thought, you know, I always thought, you know, I got to quit. I'm killing myself, but like, but but why? You know, like wh- wh- like why? I don't know. And um, I just realized, you no, know, I may never get another chance. It might not get easier. You know, it may never happen again, um, this opportunity. And I, I, it was a Friday, I believe it was, when I thought that and I went home and I finished up, you know, I had a, whatever I had left, a beer on Saturday, one beer on Sunday, which is already like a drastic
4: cut. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't recommend anybody do that without, um, you know, medical supervision for sure, Um but I, I some for some reason just never went out and bought anymore. And um, and and it's that was six months ago, and I haven't had a drink since then. And I wow,
0: did. awesome, Caleb, that is fantastic. I'm so sorry about the struggle that you went through, leading up to that. But but so so good to hear that uh, you you did kick that habit. Thank you for sharing that with us. So we're just about out of time. I know Tammy was waiting online. I wanted to give Tammy a shout out. Unfortunately, I don't have time to take your call, but. I'm hearing you graduated college. Congratulations, Tammy, because that's that's a big, big deal. This was a tough year. So, man, I don't know how you did it, to be honest. So good job there. Katie, any quick advice? 20 seconds here. Any quick advice you want to give our listeners before we wrap?
5: I, I hope you're motivated by what Caleb just shared, yeah. because even really big, daunting goals like Uh, you know, kicking alcoholism are things that are within our power. So that would be my motivating message. Capture this fresh start moment and use it to achieve something big and important. That was Katie Milkman, behavioral
0: scientist at the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. Thank you so much, Katie.
5: Thanks for having me.
0: That's it for Reset. Tomorrow on the show, we bring you the latest on the first major winter snow winter storm to hit the area this season. We'll also help you make sense of the top headlines in our weekly news recap. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. I'll be off tomorrow, so my WBEZ colleague Mike Puente will have you covered in the Reset host chair. Now, as we start to wrap up the year, we have been reflecting on all the good that we've been able to accomplish around here. But sometimes it doesn't go so well. We're going to leave you now with a few moments from behind the scenes. This is Reset. Oh, sorry. (laughs) There's music first. Doing that all over again. WBEZ Vape. And a reminder: you can now watch the re- <laughs> director of the University of Chicago's Center for Interdisciplinary <laughs> Trey Kroner Cafe in Anderson. Blah, blah, blah. Stephanie. All right, rolling. <clears throat> okay. All right. This is a wordy one. Okay. Here we go. All righty. I'm ready. Oh, ready? <laughs> Sorry. All right. <clears throat> My bad. Podcast number two! I was like, oh no, I remember, what I read. <sighs> Department of
5: Data. <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
0: I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Smashing pumpkins. Pumpkins, how do you say this word? Gourds? You know I'm gonna make you feel bad for this for the next 24 hours. It was a Tucker. As I suspected, this episode of Reset was produced and edited by Andrew Merriweather, who's also a thorn in my side. Done. 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 Oh, God. Done. Done. I'm out of breath. Thank you. It was an Andrew. You guys weren't even freaking listening. Start over here, Ethan. Forget everything else I said. Let me shut up <laughs>
6: and read. <laughs>
0: okay. <clears> okay. <throat> Oh, shouldn't I say bye? I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll catch you back here tomorrow. Bye! Put that in there.